Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Tuesday. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. We, we don't have a lot of Tuesday shows, do we? This is sort of a little unusual. Um, well, um, once in a while, we'll do like a week where we just do a Tuesday and a Thursday, right? But on a yeah. three-show week, a Tuesday is rare. But we, you know, we, we just, Monday didn't work out this week, so here we are. You're welcome. That's right. right? So, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, right, uh, this is our Tuesday show. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, as well as Friday. So we're, that's we'll right. be a three-show week this week. So. The, the normal week resumes after today. So yeah. sorry we weren't here yesterday, but after that, everything kicks back into a normal Wednesday, Friday rotation. Okay, well, we've got a fun show tonight, Disruptive Technologies, and I want to say some good words for our folks over there at Singularity Hub. That's a great site, you know, they, all, all kinds of interesting stuff on that site. And this is just a really good, really good piece by Jason Dorier. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Jason. The seven disruptive technologies could be worth trillions of dollars. I start reading this article and I think, well, you know, this would just be a good whole show to do. Yeah, and and yeah. in fact, any one of these topics is worthy of a show in its own right. But uh, but But I thought Jason did a really good job of breaking down a list of some technologies that are up and coming that we're hearing a lot about that, uh, and I like this angle, are going to be worth a load of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I noticed that. Throughout this article, it was not just interesting futuristic stuff, which is, you know, you could expect from, uh, uh, you know, this, this website, Singularity Hub, but it's also, I mean, this article would have been at home, you know, in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, sure. Because it's it's, uh, it's definitely a you know here's here's where we think here's where I think you know uh, generally speaking uh, where the money's going to be moving and uh, I, I found myself as I read it not disagreeing at all. <laughs> yeah, I found it compelling uh, some compelling arguments here. Well, and, and I like I like the headline. You know, trillions of dollars these these can be worth. So let's talk about some of these. Let's let's get into it and look at a few of these trillion dollar potential. Disruptive technologies. Number one, deep learning could be worth 35 Amazons. And uh, our friend Monica Anderson on Facebook, when I had posted this, she she made note of the fact that she's been blogging recently about 
artificial intelligence and trying to describe in upside terms what the what the potential market is and she said she read this and she realizes that she has to beef up her hype cycle significantly and and i think maybe that's true i think if you're an ai it's possible easily possible to kind of undervalue the potential here ai is like uh you know the genie says you can have a wish, and you wish for unlimited wishes, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's sort of, uh, there's, you know, you say 35 Amazons. Well, yeah, 35 Amazons in 10 years maybe. But where will it be in 100 years? You know, you can't, we can't say. And uh, because it's sort of the, it's sort of the, the entry gift or, or the gateway to who knows what, right? So, um, it, yeah. it is. It's a gateway to harder technologies, right, and to more right. addictive technologies. <laughs> it's a, thinking of it as a kind of a gateway drug. I mean, they, they talk here about uh, transportation, manufacturing, healthcare, finance, and more. The, the point is it can underpin almost Everything. anything. Everything. A, yeah, and, yeah, and anything you apply it to, you can eke tremendous potential – not just financial value, but I mean, that's what we're talking about here, but not just financial value, but performance, savings, how, however, however you want to look at it, that's what it does. It, 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 has the, it has the potential to accelerate processes, to vastly simplify processes, to just deliver this really unprecedented capability to solve problems and to get things done that we've never had anything remotely like before. I guess that's what unprecedented means. I, I suppose yeah. I'm being redundant. But, <laughs> but uh, it's, it, it is a quantum leap in capability that's, that's really hard to quantify. And I even like how they came up with the, with the estimate here. It said, Bill Gates has said a breakthrough in machine learning would be worth 10 Microsofts. Microsoft is 550 to 600 billion, Wood said. We think deep learning is going to be twice that. And therefore, we think it could approach 17 trillion in market cap, which would be 35 Amazons. So either way, we're talking. Here's, here's the thing, though. I mean, uh, Amazon is going to grow more valuable because of deep learning. <laughs> so who's to say? You know? Exactly. It's, yeah. 13. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's uh, 35. 35 uh, Amazons today's today. Amazons. Yeah, today's yeah. Amazons. But uh, you know, uh, by the time that by the time this happens, uh, Amazons uh, will continue be continue to grow as well. So yeah, it's it, like you say, it's it's uh, you know a gateway technology to so many other things that uh, well you think about it this way Phil when we were kids I mean when we thought of technology jobs back in the 70s let's say you know uh, we wouldn't think of things like uh, our you know the an auto mechanic right or we wouldn't think no. of uh, you know home builders things like that but hey those are technology jobs today you know and um, and and so when when we think of deep learning right right now we're thinking of huge businesses like Amazon, right, and that use deep learning to better service or whatever, or better make money. Yeah, Google, company, right? Amazon, yeah, Microsoft, big companies, right? But hey, it's, uh, that stuff filters down to everything at some point. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it, it get, it's, it's it hard to imagine everything. an area won't touch. It, 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 you know, the other thing that got my attention about this one is just that $17 trillion figure. Isn't that about what the national debt is? Yeah, yeah I think I mean, it's uh, in somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 trillion yeah i think oh is right. it 20 trillion at one point not too long ago it was 17 trillion i just that yeah that's a number you recognize it when you see it more than once right it's like oh 17 trillion where have i, where have I seen that number before the fact that there's that much value to be had in something is encouraging it's like well okay if, between deep learning and maybe a few other technologies we can get ourselves out of debt who knows we can raise that kind of uh, 19.8 trillion as of 
November of last year. Okay, well, I am now going to peg deep learning's value to the national debt. Okay, (laughs) Okay, so there you go. Whatever the national debt goes to. Deep learning is worth at least that much. Say, seventeen <laughs> well, and, too you know, and, and the national debt sort of has this exponential thing going on. Uh, maybe uh, the exponential value of something like deep learning can help us deal with the, the exponential problem of the debt. There you go. I think everybody's underestimating it. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Imagine how much debt we can get into. That's how much it's worth. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't tell the politicians they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please don't. Yes. Okay, number two, fleets of autonomous taxis to overtake Automakers. This uh, this is a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. The you know the um, the idea of basically self-driving cars replacing owned cars, right? Isn't isn't that kind of where we're going with this? The That's right. The, sort of a uh, you know uh, just in time uh, method of you know you pull out your phone, you need to go someplace, pull out your phone, uh, a car shows up, and there you go. And, it, and right. it's interesting. A car's the car's not even being driven by anybody. It just shows up. You know, and then you hop in, and it takes you where you want to go. And then you, you know that's not your car. What you own is the right to be transported, not a right. car. Right. You know so. And uh, that's that's to me that's pretty cool because you know our homes, for example, they're built around the car as much as they are us for the most that's part. That's right. You, know, you, you have this big ugly garage door in, in front of most of our homes. <laughs> hanging out the front of your house. Yeah, this <laughs> driveway right. thing taking yeah, up all your front yard. Yep. That's right. Yeah, hey, you could beautify your home and, uh, and you know not even have to deal with that. The, the car drops you off at your house and. You know, you 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 walk in. It's made for you, not for a car. And uh, that's uh, there's so many things that will change when that if uh, if this were to become the model. But you know what? I, looking at this as an automaker, you know, why why isn't uh, you know General Motors buying Uber? Or you know, it might be too late. <laughs> it's, they may already be uh, too expensive. Well, I don't know. Uber potentially could be available for a discount here pretty soon. I'm thinking at the well, right maybe so, maybe so, but. Uh, uh, one of the, you know, one of the companies, uh, if, if, if they're smart, they're going to either buy an Uber or, you know, uh, have a division within their company that becomes their internal Uber or something. I don't know. Well, uh, and if they're thing. smart, right? In, in the yeah. story, they talk about Tesla potentially doing this, right? Yeah. So yeah. Going and with your, going with your, if they're if they're smart philosophy, Tesla understands yeah. maybe better than a traditional automaker does what space they're in. Right. The, the the car makers are going to have a hard time picturing themselves as deriving a primary value proposition out of anything other than the manufacture and sale of automobiles. That is a right. hard paradigm for them to escape from. Tesla, and, maybe and, not. And that, isn't that always the case, though? I mean, you know, the the big guys are end up end up perishing when the new paradigm comes around because they can't make the shift. You right. know, Kodak couldn't make the shift. They didn't, you know, they 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 felt that they were in the film business. They're not in the they weren't in the film business. They were in the picture business, you know. And uh if if they'd realized that they they maybe could have made the digital jump sooner than they did and they could have survived. But anyway, it's, it's well, you know, they've got, but they're typical. doing smartphones now. Did you know Kodak yeah. now sells phones with really good cameras on them, and they've done okay for themselves uh, out there, out there in the world. But that, that's an odd little potential partial comeback for a company that otherwise should just own that space, right? Yeah. I mean, who ends yeah. up owning it is is Apple. A, a, what we they probably would have thought of as a computer company, 
by way of their phones, which doesn't even make any sense. It's like, how did they take over the camera business? Oh, they started selling phones. What? Well, it makes total sense to us now. <laughs> yeah, you, you but there was a time when that wouldn't have sounded like it made any sense at all. Yeah, right? you're, you're, I understand the English that you're the English <laughs> words that you're saying, but you string them together like that, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> I think right. you know that's that's the problem. You go into GM and you sit down and you go, okay, here's the future. We're not in the car manufacturing business. We're in the self-driving taxi business, right? They're just like, you know, what? they just scratch yeah. their heads. It's like we sort of can imagine self-driving taxis, but those will be cars we sell to somebody who runs a self-driving taxi. They they can't they can't get themselves into the onto the right side of the uh, the, the transaction because it's just it's it's it's, it's too big a leap. It's too ephemeral. It's too big of a leap well, for them to make and, from. And and they you know they could, they could get killed by their stockholders too if they if they push sure. too hard too fast into that. So it's it's a it really is a balancing act. And I, I'm I'm not suggesting that the guys that are running those companies are dumb. They're not. They're brilliant. But uh, often they're brilliant. Uh, with they're they're so brilliant with the old paradigm that they can't make they can't make the jump sometimes and it's the new guys that come along and take over their you know take over their space so anyway anyway, anyway they're good they're luck, good luck to all of them <laughs> i hope they make it but uh they're, they're saying this is gonna this is gonna push to about a 10 trillion dollar market in the early 2030s so roughly about half of that deep learning market but still that's some pretty good bucks you know yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, hey uh, and deep learning is behind this too right so uh, absolutely. again a gateway <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll probably be able to say that about all of these. Every, every single, every single one of the stories we mentioned uh, in the, tonight, including the next one, uh, 3D printing goes big with finished products at scale. So, what are we talking about here? Um, well, you know what, what we're what we're talking about is something beyond the kind of simple 3D printing models that we've thought about before. You know, we think about yeah. 3D printer. As kind of a novelty, as uh, as as a technology that brings this crude fabrication capability to the desktop, so that people in schools or people at home can can you know produce some some well, of the items. The, these these machines were originally called rapid prototypers, right? So that they right. make make these small prototypes. You know, if you're if you're a big car company, let's say, and you wanted, well, what is this car going to look like? You know, somebody with a 3D printer on their desk would would give you a rapid prototype that would be like the size of a toy car, right? Right. And they could pass it around the boardroom and say, "Yeah, this is what the car is going to look like." Uh, but they're saying that this is they're you know they're going big with finished products that are you know indistinguishable from uh, what you would buy uh, you know off the shelf, right? So exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and and what what they talk about in this story is. The, the the fact that where it's been used for prototyping up to now, now we're talking about actually taking the 3D printer and putting it into the production, in, into the production cycle. The example they give here is Adidas mass producing. They say shoe midsoles, which I assume is the, the the core part of the the core part of the shoe, but not through a traditional manufacturing assembly line, um, but through 3D printing. Uh, which is one of the things interesting about that is if you do that at scale. Anytime you want to make the slightest tweak to that shoe, or a big tweak to the shoe, right, or make any change you want to to the shoe, it's just as simple as writing the code, right, and you're and you're ready to, uh, you're, you're ready to make the change. So this is definitely industrial 
scale 3D printing that we're, that we're talking about here, not the near and dear to our hearts 3D printing that we talk about, which is having it in our home and being able to make the shoes there, which is, which is great with the, yeah. you know, the, the, the idea of well, the universal 3D printer. But here, in this setting, they're talking about a $41 billion market within the next two and a half years, right? They're saying by, by 2020, and as much as a $490 billion market by, by 2025. So essentially, we're going to see this shift within production within manufacturing production to 3d printing it's going to become it's going to become the way that things get made basically well you know this is part of the uh coffee shopification of everything uh right article, the idea that i had but you know that that uh you know ultimately ultimately you know uh you can go to your coffee shop and, and uh, order whatever products you need and they're printed for you right there uh in your coffee shop right uh, everything becomes a coffee shop at that point um, and uh, that's this is part of the picture. Now, you know, do I think that there, you know, that it all happens necessarily in your local coffee shop? No, I think that we move towards that, where you know, instead of having uh, regional factories or maybe even a national factory like we do today to, to produce something, uh, or overseas factories or whatever, we it's it's produced much closer to us, and it gets closer and closer to us all along, where. Um, and 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 by doing so, you know, you cut out a lot of your transportation costs. You uh, uh, and and you can also you can uh, stock less. You know, you can and and there's a lot of uh, costs associated with uh, with with stocking goods on a shelf. Sure. And it, and if uh, you're able to produce things more on a just-in-time basis, then that's that's more profitable for the manufacturers and probably will end up being cheaper for the uh, for the consumer. So it's it's yeah, I, this is a big deal. That uh, you know you know where what I like in uh, 3D printing too. It's kind of like artificial intelligence. When the idea is first introduced, everyone sees the term as being synonymous with AGI, artificial general intelligence, right. with the, the idea of a computer that thinks like a human being. And then suddenly, progress is made in AI with narrow AI. It's not AGI, but it's, it's AI used to solve very, very specific, very distinct problems. And that's really where AI, AI was all through the 90s and the, and, and the aughts and even early into the, the, the decade that we're in now. Machine learning and some of these other technologies come along and we're suddenly we're closing back in on AGI, so then we're closing back in onto this general purpose artificial intelligence. But I, I think that's, you can kind of see a similar trend with 3D printing. We, we hear about 3D printing and the promise of 3D printing is these general printers that can make anything for anybody. And great, but it turns out it, it may be that the first big breakthrough money-making applications for 3D printing will be more narrow applications, right? Like a, a business that wants to make its own shoes but use a 3D printer rather than, rather than use the traditional manufacturing process. So, so suddenly we'll have you know, this, this big growth in narrow 3D printing leading eventually to probably breakthroughs in technology, no doubt driven by deep learning, that will, uh, that, that, that will move us more towards the kind of general printers that, that we like talking about and thinking about. But along the way, it's going to be worth some significant, uh, some significant money and, and, and another big growth area. Okay, we've got to move on. We're yep. going to run out of time before we run out of topics. CRISPR starts with genetic therapy, but it doesn't end there. And they start out just talking about the cost of genome editing, how it's fallen from 28x to 52x in the last four years. Okay, so the cost of genome editing is plummeting. 
And CRISPR is kind of leading the editing revolution as they describe it here, you know, cutting the time and the cost, uh, keeping the whole process efficient. But we've probably only scratched the surface, not even beginning to scratch the surface in terms of the the business upside here. And the one they talk about is one we talked about on a recent show, which is just looking at these single gene diseases. Yeah. And they say that only about 5% are treatable today. And just addressing those through this newly simplified genome editing, they describe it as a $70 billion market. You know, it's interesting, that other, that, that other article we, we looked at when we talked about this topic the economic upside of going into that space, I don't think it was ever mentioned, right? I, I don't think yeah. anybody ever did the calculation and said it's worth $70 billion. But you know what? That's a number that gets somebody's attention, and they'll go, okay, well, we've got to get into this. We want to. <laughs> well, the, the company that um, um, has made CRISPR, I, when I was reading this article, I said, let me check on this. Well, what, who owns CRISPR, the technology? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a company called Origin uh, Technologies. And it's interesting, Origin Technologies is not publicly traded, but it looks like a Chinese company, Zhuangjin Union Stem Cell Bioengineering, uh, is publicly traded. It looks like they're, they're trying to buy them. And so uh, that's, that's interesting. It's, it, you know, it may not be a household name, but uh, the people who, uh, who know this space are, uh, you know, are very interested in this and, uh, and are, are watching this very closely. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge deal. And well, and so, the yeah, reason is because you can, look, you can look past the single gene diseases and they, they missed stem cell therapy research, personalized medicine, drug development, agricultural biofuels. Biofuels, the, just, just biofuels. Imagine if you're able to... Uh, you know, uh, have a have a factory that uh, you're you're feeding you know sunlight and and uh, and minerals to, and it and it produces oil for you. You know, right. I mean, and, and practically unlimited quantities. And hey, and because uh, it's it's uptaking, uh, because you know the 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 biological organism uh, that's giving you the oil is uptaking uh, CO2 as part of the process. Then it's it's more ecolo- ecologically. Uh, uh, it's better for the planet than uh, than pumping it out of the ground, right? So uh, absolutely, yeah. So it's it's that's huge about, about just that one area. That one so. would, could potentially dwarf the seventy billion for the single gene diseases, as could right. agriculture or some of these others too. So so as as appealing as the seventy billion sounds, that might be on the low end of the applications for this kind of gene editing based technology. Huge upsides there and. I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hear more about it soon. And I mean, I'm going to say, bi- biofuels oh. is better. Uh, you know, is is politically it w- is is so much better for the world than uh, than than you know than having comp- having countries that instead of uh, you know um, putting money into the uh, uh, their people, just pull it out of the ground and and, and sell it. It's just you know. I, I, I could get into that. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I probably shouldn't have. But anyway, a mobile, next one's mobile transactions could grow 15 times by 2020. So, how about this? Okay, by 2020, 75% of the world will own a smartphone. I, I don't know. I wonder what the percentage is right now. Pretty, pretty interesting. I, 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 I would imagine it's, it's in excess of 50%. I would, I would yeah. guess. But I, I, we're talking about the whole world here, though. So yeah, mobile transactions that. currently account for about a trillion today. He he expects. Uh, the person making the prediction here expects them to grow 15 times, upwards of 15 trillion, within the next couple of years. Okay, so this is this is a huge, huge uh, leap 
that we're that we're looking to see over the over the next couple of years. Talk about the fact that Asia is really a leading player here. Um, well, you know, places like Africa, for example, I mean, um, places that may never have had uh, wired phones into people's homes are, you know, are going cellular faster than uh, than we as the United States did. And uh, and so they're leapfrogging in that way, but they're also leapfrogging in attitudes uh, the, among the population. I think there's going to be greater acceptance of mobile transactions in places that were, you know, formerly undeveloped. Than, well, because uh, you know what, if you don't have a phone network, what are the chances you have a bank anyway, right? Right. And so what I do you mean, do? You 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 use mobile transactions instead. That's right. You can you can send some money from this phone to that phone. Somebody needs to pay you for something. They can send money from their phone to your phone. I mean, suddenly it's you know it is so much more than that ability to talk over a wire. I mean, that's part of what drove what has driven the huge uptake of this technology in places like Africa and other parts of the, the developing world where where they didn't have the infrastructure before is because it's not just voice service, you know, that they're that they're getting. They're getting so much more. They're getting connected to the internet. They're they're getting cameras, right? They're getting they're, they're able to share media, they're able to be on social media, and they're able to do things like engage in transactions which were all really hard to do before. And suddenly it's like right. this this whole this whole world opens up. And yeah, you can see where where that's going to be huge. I think it's very interesting that Asia is uh, the big player in mobile transactions. And the two companies they named, Tencent, I've never heard of, Tencent and Alipay. And, of course, Alipay has got to be connected to Alibaba, right? So a big uh, Chinese outfit there. Uh, interesting to think that we might, you know, in the West, we might be being left behind here in the, in the mobile transaction space, that that, that that space is maybe being defined in other parts of the world for us right now. Well, I mean, and, you know, others, you know, just as kind of an example, um, uh, you know, things like smart credit cards, they, it took forever for us to adapt that in the United States. And, you know, they've been in places like Europe for a couple of decades. I, I don't know, you know, you get, you get used to the last paradigm and uh, you're, often you're the slowest to pick up the, uh, uh, the, the next, uh, the next development. For whatever we reason. like things when we get used to them around here. Yeah, for yeah sure. we, we use things and we like them. Okay, yeah. how about number six? Robotics and automation to liberate twelve trillion dollars by twenty thirty five. What's that mean? Liberate? That sounds like uh, <laughs> that's kind that of real like Robin yeah, Hood feel to it, doesn't it? No, that's right. Yeah, you know, that's the the guy that uh, that held up the bank here locally. He was liberating <laughs> some money, wasn't? Well. <laughs> um, it's interesting the example they give here that uh, Amazon's robot workforce in warehouses has grown from a thousand to nearly fifty thousand uh, robots since 2014. So in uh, three short years, they what is that uh, a fifty-fold increase in uh, mm-hmm. in three in three years? And here's the, and they said and they've never laid off anyone other than for performance reasons in their distribution centers. I you know what? Here's my thought. They may have not laid anybody off in their distribution centers. They were laying people off in uh, in, in the local WalMarts and Sears, is where yeah. they were laying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they were. <laughs> that's what is happening there. But uh, and you know you can't you can't blame Amazon for uh, for being uh, for being efficient and uh, being the next gen. They're, they're well, here's what they say though. Here's what, what they say. These, these robots are going to give us a forty trillion dollar economy where we would have had a $28 trillion economy without them. Okay, so now we're really closing in on the technologies that might cure the national debt, right? I mean, when you add $12 trillion to the, to the uh, GDP bottom line, that's significant. 
right? Yeah. And e- even even with all of the problems and all of the heartache, and we've got to figure this stuff out, stuff going on around employment. If we can grow our economy by $12 trillion, I say we do it, huh? I mean, who's with me? That uh, That's probably... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, everybody that has a vested interest in the stock market growing is with you on that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we can all agree that eh, given a choice, it's better if we have $40 trillion than $28 trillion. It just sounds better to me. I, you know, yeah. I, I didn't take a lot of math in college, but it just for me that kind of works. And, and, and I think that um, that number – if they're not just pulling it out of the air and I get the impression that they're not, uh, that says a lot. It it says an awful lot about how sweeping the changes that robotics uh, is going to make, how sweeping those changes are are going to be. And again, probably a lot of them driven by deep learning type stuff. So it all kind of, it it all kind of falls back to that one. And I think there are some ways that uh, robots are going to be to some extent invisible to us. Now, I mean, there there'll be obvious robots at some point. You know, we'll we'll live in the world where there's robots walking around at some point uh, on the streets, along with the rest of us. You know, we'll 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 see we'll see the Will Smith uh, future at some point, right? Yeah. But I think that there's going to be a lot of ro- robots behind the scenes before we see them. You know, and and what am I talking about? Things like um, an Amazon, let's say an Amazon storefront where you walk in and it's and it looks like a small store but you know pra- you know practically anything you need from Amazon uh you know it can it can get to you real quick and so what's happening is like you know not only does it own this small storefront on the street but it also owns the 10 stories above you right and there's robots going back and forth shuffling things into shoots to to shoot it down to the first floor because you want it right and uh, you don't and you never see these robots uh, but uh, you just, you know, all of a sudden you get what you need, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as you, you tell a clerk or whatever. Right. And, but they're uh, back there. They're back there making things happen all the yeah. time and driving that kind of value. Absolutely. Huge yeah. stuff. Okay. Number seven, blockchain and crypto assets, speculatively spectacular. I read this, I, I had to reread this line and I think this is correct. I've heard recently that Bitcoin has a market value of nearly $40 billion, but I didn't realize it's up from just $3 billion two years ago. So I, I, can, I can sort of understand those who think that maybe Bitcoin is a bubble, huh? if anything undergoing, undergoing that kind of growth. But they, but they talk here about the, the rapid adoption of crypto assets, the rapid adoption of blockchain transactions. And I would actually swing this one back to the one before last about the uh, mobile transactions. It seems to me that this is this is kind of, of a piece with that, that individuals all around the world are looking for secure ways to move money around, secure ways to have assets. They don't necessarily want to have them uh, under the purview of uh, uh, of their local or national government. And here's this emerging kind of alternative. How big is it going to be? Well, their guesses are all over the map. One to five trillion, five to ten trillion, ten plus trillion in ten years. Who knows? If 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 Bitcoin continues to grow at the rate that it has over the last couple of years, then it's no problem at all to get to ten trillion. I think there's still probably quite a few growing pains before the blockchain currencies actually get that big, but. I don't know. I think we're we're going to see we're going to see huge huge stuff with these. 
Yeah. Um, I don't have much to contribute on this one, uh, Phil. I, I, you know, quite frankly, this one is, is sort of flown under my radar. I have not followed crypto assets and uh, all that closely. And uh, that's a shame because, uh, like you say, um, in two years it's, it's grown um, massively. So, you know, I, I need to, this is one I need to follow a little closer. Well, it's almost like we should make a bookmark here and say, let's see where uh, Bitcoin is in two years. You know, yeah. is it at eighty billion? Is it at one hundred fifty billion? Is it back down to three? Right? It, it, a lot, a lot will depend on a lot will depend on what happens over the next six months, the next year and a half or so. But if it continues at the rate it's going, yeah, we're going to see a huge, huge disruption there. And in fact, all these technologies are completely disruptive. Okay, we're out of time, Stephen. But pick one. Pick one of these technologies. Which one's the big one? Do you think? Oh, the, definitely the first one. Uh, I'd okay. have to. I'd have to go with deep learning. What about you? Um. Uh, it's that or the automation, but those are pretty t- closely tied. So I'm going to yeah. say, since you took deep learning, I'll take automation okay. and uh, let the chips fall. All right. Well, hey, great talking with you, Stephen. Great being with you all. We're going to be back again on Wednesday with a brand new show. It will be amazing. Look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.